Happy New Year. It is good to be here. Good to be surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. There's so many people that get excited about football games and basketball and, uh, and concerts and music. But I get excited about gathering with God's people. I get excited about digging into God's word. Some, some unfamiliar faces in here. It's good to see you guys on the first Sunday of this year. Why don't you grab your Bibles? I am eager to preach the word on this first Sunday. Meet me in Matthew chapter 4. Run over to the New Testament. First book in the New Testament. Hey, as you guys turn there, just a couple of uh, quick reminders. Number one, Solemn Assembly does start tomorrow. I'm excited about our Solemn Assembly. Uh, Solemn Assembly is a fast that we do every, uh, every year, the first full week of the year, and I'm excited about it. Uh, tomorrow we kick it off at 6 a.m., and I know that sounds like, what in the world are y'all going to be doing in here at 6 a.m.? David says, early in the morning while I seek thee. And I'm excited to be able to get on our knees and, and bring in uh, this fast together, praying to the Lord. And if you uh, can sacrifice some time and sacrifice some sleep, why don't you get here at 6 o'clock? We are praying to fill this room up with prayers. And we will be praying from 6 a.m. on the dot to 6, p- uh, 6 p.m. to 7 a.m. That's a long prayer. <laughs> 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Is, is our devoted time of focused prayer. And I'll have some of you guys pray. And so I'm excited about it. And hopefully you can be here. If you can't stay here for the whole thing, it's okay. Why don't you come in, uh, do some prayer, and then slip out, uh, start your day good. It's something about praying before the sun even comes up. It's just a beauty. When everybody else in Brooklyn is asleep and the streets are quiet, but we're getting in here praying uh, to the Lord, and uh, we get the privilege of watching the sunrise. And I'm not talking the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. We get to ri- watch him rise every morning in our hearts. And so I'm excited about that. Also, uh, just to give you some quick updates on where we're going in uh, the pulpit in terms of preaching, Um, Next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday is the Sunday that we get to cast vision for the new year, Uh, but it also gives us the opportunity to look back at the previous year. And so if you've been here for any amount of time, if you've seen our our Vision Sundays before, we do it every January, Uh, and it really does, man, you know, as a church, it's unhealthy to say we're doing everything right and we're doing everything well. The truth is we're not. And so uh, we, we get to look back and say, here's some things that we did well, here's some doors that God opened. And then we get to look at the things that we didn't do well and hopefully try to press forward to do them well in 2019. So I'll lay some stuff before you. Uh, Also, the book of Romans, uh, we're starting that the very next week after next week. So uh, the 20th, please mark your calendars. We are going through the book of Romans. That just means we're going through it line by line, verse by verse. We're not skipping anything, but we're going through all 16 chapters. And we started our church that way. We started our church going through the book of Colossians. Uh, we've also gone through uh, Jonah, we've gone through First Peter, and we've gone through the book of Habakkuk. Uh, but this one is unique because this is the longest book we've ever gone through. So I'm excited about it. You guys should be preparing for it and preparing in two ways. Why don't you start reading Romans now and also uh, just be praying about the series that God will transform hearts and transform lives through the next year and a half as we work our way through the book of Romans. Amen? Y'all quiet today. Y'all all right? All right, verse 18. Look with me at Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 18. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, meaning Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Underline this next word, 
Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Look at this word again. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. I want to preach this afternoon from the topic entitled Following Jesus. Uh, I think it's so fitting and so appropriate that the worship team, and they didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't know what they were singing, but it's so appropriate that they just uh, sang a song about following Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Why don't you look to the Lord with me before we dig in? Uh, Father, we're dependent on you. We never approach your scriptures um, arbitrarily. We don't approach them just feel, thinking that we can understand them without the Holy Spirit moving. But Lord, we need your spirit moving in this place. I need your spirit. Uh, those that are listening need your spirit to hear from you. So, Father, would you guide us today? Would you uh, teach us today? And also, would you correct us today? So correct us to understand what it means and what it does not mean to follow you. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. Following Jesus. When I first became a believer, um, there, there were some things that just automatically clicked. There were some things that I just automatically understood. They were confusing. They were gray areas before. But once Jesus ransomed my dead heart, I just, I just knew it. Uh, things like, for example, things like I knew that I no longer had to perform for God to earn his love. So before I was a believer, I, I thought I had to perform. I thought I had to earn God's love. I thought I had to earn salvation when in reality, uh, the gospel is actually co contrary to that. God, I knew that God saved me and it was apart from my works, but I knew that God saved me because of his own love. In fact, he decided to love me even when I was a hot mess. And I knew that right away. Like that wasn't confusing. That was gray before. But the moment that I met Jesus, that was clear. I knew I would never be able to read the scriptures the same again. Before I met Jesus, I, for some reason, I had an insatiable thirst for the scriptures. I would read it more for historical context. But for some reason, once Jesus Christ became clear to me, he became almost like the key that unlocked the rest of scriptures. And I'm not just talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Genesis 1, I saw Jesus all the way to Revelation 22. And so reading the scriptures became different for me. I saw Jesus now as the fulfillment of all of scripture. I also knew that the cross was enough for me. I wasn't searching for more different ways of salvation. Once I met Jesus, that was it. I banked all my chips on him. I knew that he was the one that I was searching for. The void that I had in my life, I knew that Jesus Christ filled that void. My allegiance to Jesus. I knew that my allegiance to Jesus would be different and far greater than my allegiance than any, to any other human. Now, that's saying a lot because... I have deep allegiance and love my family. I love my wife. I love my boys. But my allegiance to the Lord is far, not even a little bit, far greater than my allegiance to my wife. My allegiance to Jesus is far greater than my allegiance to my boys. And let me just go ahead on record and say, I'm able to be a better husband because I have an allegiance to Jesus. I'm able to be a better father because I have an allegiance to Jesus. And so those were some of the things that were crystal clear for me right away. But then there were some things that were still foggy. There were some things that were still gray. The water was still muddy in a couple of areas. I was a selfish dude, and so I didn't know how I was supposed to interact selflessly with the body. I now had brothers and sisters that I had to care for, and they cared for me, and they were in my business, and I was in their business. I didn't know how that was supposed to work. 
I also didn't know what I was supposed to do with the sin that I enjoyed. Now, I know some of y'all, you know, you were saved from a life, a miserable life of sin. That ain't everybody's testimony. Some of us actually enjoyed the sin that we was in. And I know y'all, y'all deep, you know, some of y'all, as soon as you met Jesus, you poured out all the liquor, you flushed all the weed, and you became a virgin again. But there's another group of us in here that banks on grace. Because we know that even though we met with met with Jesus, we know that we're still progressive in our sanctification. We're still growing. And the thing I love about progressive sanctification is you never arrive. You never fully arrive at the point of being like Christ, hear me, until he comes back for us. So you can be walking with Jesus for 90 straight years, and you will never get to the point where you are fully like him. We're always progressing. We're always growing. We're always overcoming. So that, that was confusing to me. What was I supposed to do? I really enjoyed this sin. How was I supposed to interact now with Christ and this sin? I had to progressively learn that, and I'm still learning that. I had to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. I mean, genuinely. I, I know what it means, like, just saying, yeah, I follow Jesus, but I genuinely had to learn what does it mean to really follow Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today, because culture has pushed on us that following Jesus is some superficial, like you, you can just say you follow him, but don't really follow him. So I want to move the baggage out the way of what following Jesus means. And I actually want to zoom in on the scriptures and see what the scriptures themselves say about following Jesus. Now, this is important because whenever I read the scriptures, following Jesus is a theme. Okay, let me, let me just, let me move away all the other books. Matthew's gospel Following Jesus is a theme that he often said. Let, let me prove it to you. In our passage here, we see two different brothers, Peter and Andrew, and then another set of brothers, James and John. Jesus gives them both the same exact command, follow me. Two words. He does it again if you look over in Matthew chapter 8, where some men were asking about what it means to be Jesus' disciples. And Jesus gave them this command. He said, follow me. Later on in Matthew chapter 9, the writer of this book, Matthew, Jesus meets him. He's a tax collector, and Jesus gives him the same exact command, follow me. Matthew chapter 10, I keep going, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is speaking about the meaning of being his disciples. And he says to them, and anyone who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Over and over again, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus meets a rich young ruler. And when he meets the rich young ruler, he says to him, follow me. I don't know if you've picked up in Matthew the theme of following Jesus. Here's my question for you today. I know your third service, y'all quiet. It's all good. Y'all can leave me out there. Here's the question I have for you. It's a theme in Matthew. Is following Jesus a theme in your life? Do you con are you consistently looking at how you are doing at following Jesus? Because when I read not just this passage, but the rest of the book of Matthew, read all 28 chapters of Matthew. What you will see is Jesus over and over again saying, follow me. Now, pastor, I, I hear you, but what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, let me start by telling you what it means to follow Jesus by first telling you what it does not mean to follow Jesus. Following Jesus does not simply mean I go to church. Okay, I, I need you to talk back a little bit. And, and I, I have to push that on you because, you know, what I omitted from telling you in my salvation story when the Lord saved me was before I got saved, I was in church three times a week. My mother made me go to church. 
And so going to church is not synonymous with, uh, with, with following Jesus. Following Jesus and going to church isn't the same thing. Now, some of y'all never take notes, but you like, Pastor said, don't come to church. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I want to save us from foolishly thinking because I went to church, I checked the box of following Jesus. It's not the same. In fact, I'll go deeper. You can come to church and not know Jesus. Like, thank you. Like, there are some people here that come and you don't know Jesus. And thank you for coming. But that doesn't mean that you are saved because you came to church. Let me go a little bit deeper. You can be possessed by a demon and come to church. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus does something interesting. Jesus walks into the synagogue, and he's about to preach in the synagogue. And when he goes to the synagogue, he's met by a guy, and the guy opposes him. And the Bible says, I didn't say this, the Bible says in verse 23 that the man that opposed him had a demonic spirit. But he didn't meet the man in the marketplace. He didn't meet the man in the street. He didn't meet the man in somebody's house. He met the demonic possessed man in the church. So going to church doesn't simply mean that you are following Jesus. The two are not synonymous. Okay, that's number one. Going to church doesn't mean you follow Jesus. Here's number two. Following Jesus does not simply mean I believe in him. Let me unpack that a little bit. So simply saying I believe in him doesn't mean you are following Jesus. In fact, let me put a little bit of Bible here. James says in James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe, in God, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. In other words, James just said, yes, that's nice. You believe in him, that's nice. But demons believe in him also, and they shudder. So believing, simply believing doesn't mean you're following him. The, the, John talks about this as well. John talks about this in chapter 12, verse number 42. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would be, not be put out of the synagogue. And so the religious elite, some of them believed in Jesus, but for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, put out of work, they decided not to confess him. So simply believing in him does not mean that you are following him. Following him it has to be something deeper. It has to be something greater. So number one, it does not mean that you come to church and you're automatically following Jesus. It does not mean that you simply believe in him. But number three, it does not mean following Jesus does not mean that you simply like the things that he says. Now, I have to say that because when I was doing my undergrad work at Karen University, formerly known as Philadelphia Biblical University, I had a class where the professor made us for, for a high grade, a large percentage of our grade was dependent on this project. And this project meant that we had to find an atheist, not an agnostic, not somebody that didn't know uh, what they believed or believed in a few different gods, somebody that did not believe in God. And we had to interview them. Now, this was great because I could, I could not share the gospel with him. Uh, I wasn't allowed to try to be evangelistic. I simply had to ask him questions and see what he believed about our faith. And it was a great practice for me. And when I started to press him with questions, one of the questions I asked him was, where do you stand on Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? And to my surprise, he says to me, oh, I actually like Jesus. I don't follow him. I don't believe in him, but I like he stands for a good moral. He has good moral character. He, he's a compassionate man. He's a man with convictions and a man with character. I actually do. I think he was condemned unjustly. Like he said all of these things to me. And I realized that you can like some things about Jesus and like some of his teachings, but not like him. 
and not actually have love and follow him. And so following Jesus does not simply mean that you like the fact that he lights people up in parables because he do. He does light people up. But following him has to be something deeper than that. One of the guys I follow on Twitter, one of my favorite preachers is a guy by the name of Gardner C. Taylor. Write that name down. Old Baptist preacher. In fact, his church was down the street from us right here in Bed-Stuy on Marcy Avenue. If you go to Marcy Avenue, it says Marcy Avenue. Underneath it says Gardner C. Taylor Boulevard. Gardner C. Taylor, he's the pastor of Concord Baptist Church. And even though he's dead, he has a Twitter account. I love it. I mean, I don't know who's, who's tweeting, but every day you get a little tweet from Gardner C. Taylor. And really what you have is somebody that's managing his account and they give you one-liners from his sermons. They give you little one-liners from his books. And what I found myself doing is following him because I like what he says. But my fear for us is that you follow Jesus the way I follow Gardner Taylor. You follow Jesus based on some things that you like that he says and some parts of his life and the miracles that he's performed. But that's not following Jesus. And so we need to take all of those off the table. If we're going to understand what following Jesus means, we have to understand what it does not mean. Are y'all with me? Now, before we can dig into what following Jesus means, let's look at who Jesus chose to follow him. Look at verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Write these names down. Simon, who was called Peter. Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jump down to verse 21 with me. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Look how dope Jesus is. Jesus Before we can understand what following him means, you got to understand who Jesus chooses to follow him. Jesus always chooses people that most of society would have thrown out. He chose fishermen, not the religious elite, not the one who knew the Hebrew text, not the one who knew the Tanakh or or the Torah, the Old Testament. No, he didn't choose them. He chose the uneducated fishermen. Why should you be rejoicing? Because most of us in this room, if Jesus chose to use fishermen, we got a shot. If Jesus chose to use fish, uneducated fishermen to literally rock the entire world, then he can choose you and I. Because here's the reality. Most of us in this room, none of us in this room would be on anybody's shortlist if they actually knew us. Like, like if, if God looked down, if People look down in your heart. If people look in your mind and they saw your thoughts, not your actions, not your words, your thoughts in your heart, they would run from us. Jesus does look at your heart. Jesus does look at your thoughts. And he says, that's mine. Like this is why the choice that Jesus makes here is so dope because I realize that's me. Like Jesus chose to use me when I was wicked, when I was a hot mess. Jesus says, I want that one right there. He looks at the fishermen and he says, I want that one, that one, that one, and that one. And they were all, as the scriptures will say later on, uneducated fishermen. But Jesus wants them. And I'm always, always, always grateful for how God chooses because he chooses differently than you and I do. Let's be real. You know how we choose. Look how you choose your friends on Facebook. On Facebook, we got to do a thorough investigation of who you are. 
we, we got to see if we got mutual friends. We got to see what you posted for the last 10 years, and then maybe we'll accept you. Let's be honest. Y'all know y'all got 50 people pending, waiting to be accepted as friends, because that's how we choose. But Jesus doesn't choose like that, and I'm grateful that he doesn't choose like that, because if he did, I wouldn't have been saved. But Jesus looks down, and he says, nah, this is how I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose, and it's not going to be bias. It's not going to be favoritism. I'm going to choose based on my own sovereign election. Also notice, Jesus chooses them. They don't choose Jesus. So deep. Why is that so deep? It's so deep. Because outside of Jesus, you and I have no way of accepting Jesus. you got to understand that our hearts are so wicked. We are so far from the Lord that you don't have it in you to say, I want him. And so Jesus has to come swoop down and pick you up and save you. It's called sovereign election. And what I love about his sovereign election is that his grace is irresistible. They didn't argue. They didn't ask a bunch of questions. Jesus says, that's mine. They said, okay. That's simple. And that's what he does with our life. And you might be running right now. Maybe you don't know the Lord and you've been running from it and you've been running from it. At some point, his grace is irresistible. You will accept him if he wants your life. So that, that, that's a little bit about who he chooses to use. Uneducated fishermen, men that, men that didn't know the scriptures as well as the religious elite and the Pharisees and those were, that were on the Sanhedrin and those that were uh, the high priests. They didn't know the text as well as them, but Jesus wanted them. Jesus saved them. These aren't, these aren't people that had a lot of money that they could contribute to Jesus, but Jesus still wanted them. Now let's look at what it means to follow him. Verse 19. It says, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Look down with me at verse 22. Immediately, this is James and John, immediately they left the boat and left their father and followed him. Those first disciples, they, were, they marked what following Jesus really means. It means that sometimes you got to leave some things behind. Notice that two of them left fishing nets. The other two left a boat because following, none of them tried to follow Jesus clinging on to a bunch of their old lives. And following Jesus always means you cannot follow him and hold on to stuff that you used to do. You got to start to let some stuff go. So following Jesus for these disciples was so serious that not only did they follow him right away, but these two disciples realized that if I'm really going to follow after Jesus, I have to give up. Watch this. Even what they made money off of. They were making money with those fishing poles. They were making uh, fishing nets. They were making money with that boat. But they decided Jesus, they deemed that he was more valuable than the stuff that they had. And that's what I love about Jesus. When you meet Jesus, if you look on the road behind Jesus and his disciples, you'll find a bunch of stuff, fishing nets and jobs and priorities and plans. All of them were left behind in order to follow Jesus. Here's a question I have for you. What have you physically given up in order to follow Jesus? What have you physically left behind in order to follow after Jesus, we try to follow him and carry all of our old life with us. But what have you left behind in order to follow him? When the Lord called me to plant this church, 
by God's grace, I was moving up the corporate ladder at Verizon Wireless. I was working on the corporate side. Let me show you how, how gracious God is. I was managing a team in the finance department. Now I'm not even good with numbers. That's just real talk. I, I don't know how I got the position, but then when I got the position, uh, the, the, the lady I worked for, I only knew what she knew. She got married and moved down south, so they moved me into her position, and then after her, I moved up because the executives wanted a project worked on, and I got to move up, and I kept moving up the corporate ladder. And the Lord said, I know you're comfortable. And I was making a ton of money. Let me just say that again because I'm still mourning. I was making a ton of money. And, but, but God said, no, I got something else for you. I need you to stop doing that and do this. But his love and his grace was so irresistible, I could not refuse. Following him was way, like following the calling and the pattern that he had for my life was way more valuable than trying to make a bunch of money that I can't take with me once I die anyway. And Ecclesiastes says you can make a bunch of money, but what's going to happen? You're going to give it and leave it to a fool. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make that up. And so following Jesus means you have to let some things go. And my guess is that you know those things I'm talking about. You know those areas that you're still trying to hold on to while following Jesus. But following Jesus doesn't just mean letting things go. Following Jesus means you have to let your sin go as well. See, it got real quiet right there. Following Jesus means you have to, you cannot follow Jesus and still do the same things that you used to do. Following Jesus means I now have a true new trajectory of life. Following Jesus means my worldview has changed. When Jesus comes, he rocks everything. There's nothing, that's un, there's nothing that he doesn't have access to. And so when Jesus comes, he starts to work on every piece of your life, including your sin. Remember the, the adulterous woman? They brought her to Jesus. Jesus says famously, he says, listen, can anybody here throw any stones at her? If you have no sin, throw a stone. Nobody throw a stone. And he says, there's no one to condemn you. He says, neither do I condemn you. But then he said, go and sin no more. Two things. He didn't condemn her for her sin, but he also didn't want her to stay in her sin. He says, go and sin no more. So following Jesus often means that we have to walk away from our sin. You cannot follow Jesus, smoke weed, and read the Bible. Sitting there like, <laughs> you know how we do after you smoke weed, you do one of these numbers. You can't, you can't do it. It doesn't work the same. Once you meet Jesus, you have a new trajectory of life. I know, you no longer can do the things that you used to do, but let me sprinkle a little Jesus in it. That ain't how it works. You follow Jesus, and everything changes. Everything changes. So the Bible says here that they left their fishing nets. They left their... She can never stop laughing. <laughs> they left their fishing nets. They left their fishing boats. They, they walked away from their sin and their selfishness and their egos and their positions and their titles. They walked away from all of that stuff. And I know some of you are like, well, Pastor, I'll get around to it one day. One day I'll get around like I know Jesus called me and one day I'll, I'll move from this, pla this place I'm in and I'll start to follow him. But did you notice the words in verse 20 and in verse 22? Did you, did you see those words? Immediately, it says in verse 20, verse 22, Immediately, they did not say, Jesus, go ahead of us and we'll follow you at some point. We'll catch up. They did not say, Jesus, let me finish fishing. And, and after I make a bunch of money, then I'll follow you. They didn't say it. They followed him right away immediately. Do you sense the urgency behind this? There is urgency behind it because they realized that that following Jesus actually meant spending time with Jesus. 
Because every town he went to, they went. Every sermon he preached, they heard. Every, every uh, moment of discipleship, they got to sit and partake in. They were riding with Jesus, meaning they spent quality time with him. And that's another key element to following Jesus is spending quality time with him. And let me just warn you, this right now isn't spending quality time with him. This is corporate worship. Spending quality time with Jesus means that when you are away from the brothers and sisters Monday through Saturday, you are spending time with Jesus. But do you spend quality time with them? Can you say I'm a follower of Jesus, but I never read my word. I never study my word. I never try to look more like Jesus. If you cannot say that, then we're not doing what the disciples did. Walked away from it all. Why? To spend more time with Jesus. And so Jesus here, he pulls the disciples away so that they can spend that time with him. And that's what salvation is about. Salvation really is not Jesus just coming to save you from the wrath of God. Salvation is Jesus coming to secure your relationship with Jesus forever. So it's about Jesus like I'm saving you to spend quality time with me forever and eternity. But why not start that now? Why not start spending quality time with him now? So here's what following Jesus means. Following Jesus means spending quality time with him. Following Jesus means leaving some things behind, but following Jesus also means, third one, leaving some people behind. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, immediately they left the boat, so they left some things behind, and their father. Poor Zebedee. They just left him in the boat. You know, they was fishing. They was like, we out. We met Jesus. We, we done. We gone. But, but how, how dope is that? That they, they saw that following Jesus was more important than even the tight relationships that they had. And some of you, you know that there are some people in your life that are hindrances to your walk with the Lord. Like you ain't got a guess. You probably wrote it down. Maybe you typed it in your phone. Some of you know exactly who I'm talking about. And it might be your boo. It might be family member. You, I don't know who it is, but you do. You know the person that you need to walk away from. You need to let go because there are some people that are hindrances. Listen to me. Real genuine hindrances to our walk with the Lord. And if you want to identify those people, if you really want to identify them, here's how you identify who is supposed to be in your life to make you more like Jesus and who's not. When you're around your friends, do they either pull you towards God or pull you away from him? Because there's never a middle ground. Like, I don't have any friends in my life that's just neutral. Either my friends are making me want to be like Jesus or they're pulling me away from Jesus. And I don't know the people in your life that you need to separate. And I'm not preaching the gospel. I'm asking you to be uh, 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 isolated and secluded and you, you become this hermit that nobody else can be around. That's not what I'm... You need, the, you need the brothers and sisters. I, I'm not saying don't be a part of community, but who in your life, who do you really know that's in your life that you know is pulling you from the Lord? You know is calling you to fall. And what we're allowing them to do is we follow them more than we follow God. We've spent more time with them than we did Jesus. So we got to identify that because when I read verse 22, I'm like, okay, I know they left their boats. That's cool. But they also left relationships. They also left friendships. They left family members in order to follow Jesus. In 2018, you followed the wrong person. In 2019, you can't afford to do that. What we have to do is we have to follow Jesus. And sometimes 
that means leaving people behind. Sometimes that means spending quality time with him. Sometimes that means leaving things behind. Okay, so pastor, I hear you. What if I do all of that? What if I follow Jesus exactly like you're saying? I leave things behind. I leave people behind. And, and, and I spend quality time with him. What will happen? Verse 19 tells us, and we'll try to end here. Verse 19. And he said to them, follow me. This is so powerful. And I will make you fishers of men. Following Jesus. This is the fourth one. Last one. Write this down. Following Jesus means that you're not satisfied with you being the only one following him, but your joy is complete when others follow him. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Let's be honest. Some of us haven't shared. Some of you that have trusted in Jesus, you haven't shared your faith all 2018. But we cannot afford to do that in 2019. Jesus says, I want you to be fishers of men. And we, we've been so good at being keepers of the aquarium that we lack the ability to be fishers of men. And I just don't want to pastor a church where we have a bunch of people watching, where a bunch of people don't have fishing nets, where all we have is Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and all we do is gather here and then we go out and we do nothing. You talk to nobody about Jesus. You don't have any desire, as Jude will say, snatch them from the fire. And I, it, I just don't, I don't have it in me to pastor a bunch of people that just want to watch. What we need to do is get our fishing nets and be fishers of men. You know, when I go to a restaurant, I mean like a good restaurant, my joy is not complete at the end of the meal. It's just not. My joy is complete when I've called you and said, you got to check this place out. Because I want somebody else to experience what I experienced. My joy is complete when I take a picture and post it and be like, y'all better check this out. This place is dope. That's when my joy is complete, and that's when our joy has to be complete as believers. You cannot be satisfied with you being the only one that follows Jesus. you got to be satisfied when you see others, your family members, and your friends. And what we've done is we've loved people to hell. We said, I'm not going to offend you, so I'm not going to talk about the gospel. I'm going to just keep loving you and keep loving you. But is that really love? Because you know the outcome. You know, what the, you know how the thing ends. Read Revelation. We know how it ends. Read 1 Thessalonians 4. We know how it ends. And so my, my job today is to push us to follow Jesus. Part of following Jesus means that you've got to be fishers of men. You have to spread the gospel. You have to tell others about Jesus. You know, this building campaign has nothing to do with packing a church full of already Christians. I want to see people that don't know the Lord come Get saved, get a part of the church, become deacons and elders and, and leaders in the church and evangelists in their communities. I want to see people that don't know Jesus go from spiritual death to spiritual life and then spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. In other words, you can't just share the gospel. Now you've got to disciple the ones that met Jesus. And let me tell you how this works. You find that person that you share the gospel with and become a fisher of men. And they trust Jesus, and then you disciple them, and then they, in turn, share the gospel with somebody else, and then they disciple them. And then they share the gospel with somebody else, and they disciple them. And then they, and it keeps on going, and Jesus' kingdom continues to grow. Why? Because you shared the gospel. The first time your friends, when you invite your friends to come here, the first time they hear the gospel should not be through me. I should just affirm what you've already shared with them over coffee. I should just affirm why, because we've become good at saying the pastor is the fisher of men. 
And the leaders are the fisher of men. And so therefore, I'll just invite you to church so you can watch him fish. That's not what Jesus does here. Jesus says, all of us are fisher of men. In other words, evangelism is not a select group within the church. It is the church. Every single one of us. In 2019, you got to be on your grind. You got to be passionate about sharing the gospel. Passionate. God has given you opportunities Share your faith with others. Why? Because being a follower of Jesus means we have to be fishers of men. We have to want to see this thing multiply. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's be honest. Some of us haven't done well with following Jesus last year. We, we just haven't. Since the Lord saved us, we've, we've been satisfied with just coming to church. Following Jesus means spending time with him and Following Jesus means leaving the things, leaving some things behind. And following Jesus means leaving people behind, some people. And following Jesus means gathering others to follow him. And that's my hope and my prayer. The last two weeks of this year, I promise you, I've pleaded with the Lord that we would be able to see revival. And revival simply means droves and droves and droves of people that don't know Jesus get to hear the gospel through you. And you disciple them. That's my heart, man. That's my prayer. It's my desire. We cannot say we're a healthy church with a bunch of people that really don't follow Jesus. We just come to church. Father, help us. Father, I pray for, pray for our hearts today. Some of us really do need to feel the weight and conviction of this text. We've bought into what society will say following you means. So we check you off the list. We just say we did our Jesus thing today. But Father, I pray, oh God, I pray for, for everybody in this church to genuinely look and examine themselves. May we pop the hoods of our life and look at the areas that we need to change the spark plugs so that we can genuinely say we're following you. Father, may we, not, may we not hear this and say, that was nice, that was cool, and then walk out and do nothing with it. But Father, may we genuinely desire a deeper relationship with you, which often means following you. Father, I said in the beginning, but it's true, we don't always know where you're leading us to. So help us to have patience and contentment. Help us to be passionate about you. May we be more excited about you than we are sports. And we'll go crazy over the Super Bowl. We'll go crazy over the finals. Go crazy at a concert. Father, we just barely have a minimum relationship with you. Father, let us not be surface this year. Help us to go deep, deep, deep in our relationship with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.